welcome to Growing Up 80s, a podcast where two friends talk about the things that we loved as kids growing up in the 80s and that we still enjoy today. This time we are talking about games that you create with. (laughs) Are you sure? I am. I didn't know what we were going to call it. Because when we were talking about this like a number of days ago, like I think the idea was originally floated as destruction type games yeah kind of became you know what let's do construction games instead yeah there didn't seem to be as many destruction games and we can mention one destruction game uh anyway that is in this really context. a construction game yeah. yes yeah so how about this uh weather we're having yeah it's some kind of thunderstorm we had something big rolling by we both we do live in thunder bay ontario and mm-hmm. somehow it's got its name, Thunder Bay. Oh, yeah, that's right. I rarely think of that. Yeah. You know what I noticed today when I was reading the weather warnings? Yeah. Because everything's a weather warning these days. Yes. Like a week or so ago when we last had a hail warning, it was ping pong sized hail. That would be big. Today it was toonie sized hail. Oh, what's the difference between ping pong and toonie? They're Size. in the same-ish area, I think. Yeah, and one is spherical, and one is circular and flat. Like, almost like a disc. Yeah, could could this yes. mean something? It'll be like disc-shaped <laughs> hail. I it's... don't know. I just, I'm just wondering if maybe Weather Canada <laughs> is deciding just to kind of change it up every major storm event. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it'll be like mini potato size next time. Ooh, like baby potatoes. Baby potatoes, yes. <laughs> Fingerling potato sized <laughs> hail. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, so yeah, we're we're talking about games that are uh, a lot of them were called construction sets, so to mm-hmm. speak. So, for example, Electronic Arts had a series of of games pinball construction set sort of kicked it all off so we're going to be talking about these roughly i I made a list roughly chronological of games Mm -hmm. that darren and i wanted to talk about there's going to be a bit of uh what's the word uh give and take we're we're, yeah we're we're not being super strict about the definition here Yeah. yeah 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 so what do you think darren is the appeal of these kind of games Oh, well, I like playing video games, but I want to make video games too. (laughs) That's right. But I'm too dumb to make video games. (laughs) Maybe, well, yeah, well, maybe I was too dumb to make video games. I'm too dumb to complete video games. It's it's a bit beyond me, but there's this tool that that maybe it's like a level editor or something that is is like totally designed to help you create your own games. Yeah, I want to try that out. Yeah, that that's right. So us kids, we loved the video games and mm-hmm. some of us wanted to make our own. And if we couldn't figure out the programming or, you know, we were getting started with basic, obviously you and I were doing programming and try to mm-hmm. make our own games from scratch. But yep. still, some of these games would provide these level editors or construction sets yeah. And it just made it that much more accessible to more people. Yeah. And and just the general idea of being able to be creative rather than like even if you weren't really going to make a game, you could just be creative. You could try mm-hmm. to do things. And a lot of sure. ga- a lot of games didn't have 
room for creativity in them at all, really. I mean, I guess... You... No, you, well, I was going to say, like, a game like Pac-Man or Donkey Kong, you know, it's just, this is the game, play the game. Yeah. And, like, I was, I wanted to say that, you know, the first thing that, that we probably did or that I was doing was I was, like, bringing out the graph paper, right? Like, I remember for Donkey Kong and for Donkey Kong Jr. in the arcade, I'd bring out the graph paper and I would try to design my own levels just on graph paper right and yeah like, that was a lot of fun for me just drawing those girders and the little islands and the vines from donkey kong jr and stuff like that but it's one thing to take to be creative with graph paper and pens and pencils and markers and stuff and then be able to take it to that next step where you're actually seeing it on a computer screen with pixels and stuff it's like ooh, that's the real thing yeah. even if you're not actually making a game i think like for me one of the big appeals of making character sets and designing sprites even if they rarely got put into something that even looked remotely like the beginnings of a game was you know just creating the screens and and designing levels and and just seeing what looked like a real video game made by me yeah. on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So in, in a way, you got uh, game, like editors, even a sprite editor mm -hmm. was a, in a way, a construction set. And there was even in the C64, I think in the user's guide, there was this data listing. It was a basic program, but instead of just being data statements for a sprite, it actually drew out the balloon sprite mm -hmm. with the little circles. And then you could edit the data statements, but not just numbers. It was like a yeah. graph of that of that yeah. sprite. So yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. But what we're talking about today isn't so much like these kind of tools like the sprite editors and the character editors yeah. and stuff like that but more the video games that added an element of creation construction level editing to the game itself that's right so before we get started on our list i don't know if you'll see the connection here but it kind of seems to me certain video games did have a little bit of an element of creation to them uh i'm thinking especially digging games this is kind of the oh, first yeah, time sure. if you're playing mr do or yeah. playing dig dug yeah you were somewhat free to dig that level or not dig yeah a and it was kind of weird eh that you could oh yeah it's for like, sure i never really thought of that but like if you're used to playing pac-man with a fixed maze yes and the ghosts and and you are traveling around this maze well with dig dug and and mr do you're digging that maze out and forcing the enemies for the most part, you know, sometimes they would travel through walls and stuff, Yeah. but to follow the contours of the maze that you're creating. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. That's so pretty cool. That seemed really neat to me. And actually the first game I think I ever saw that in was a Commodore pet game called minor. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you remember this one? It was all just pet ski graphics, but you were a little dude up at the top. You take this elevator mine yeah. shaft down. Yeah, that's right. And then you were free to dig you know, wherever you wanted. Mm -hmm. And so it really felt like you were creating uh, your own little world down there yeah. before Minecraft and before all those, you know, like now mm -hmm. you got Minecraft, which I guess is like the biggest game ever. Yeah. Um, most successful game. I'm not sure about that, but that's really what it is, right? You're, you're able to build, you're able to create things and it's, it's endlessly interesting to kids. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's kind of where it started, I think. We talked about those other maybe precursors, and maybe there's mm -hmm. others our listeners can oh, yeah. tell us about. 
But the first time the phrase construction set was mm -hmm. probably ever used was in the pinball construction set released by Electronic Arts, programmed by Bill Budge. Okay. The original was made for the Apple II in released November 1982. So, mm. yeah. And this was probably the first construction set game you you get you're buying this pinball game but it gives you all the tools necessary to create your own pinball levels or your own yeah. i guess pinball pinball levels isn't the right word is it pinball boards pinball, yeah yeah did you play that much i didn't play that much no like i played when there wasn't anything else available but i <laughs> i didn't seek out pinball games but i enjoyed them like when I did, you know, but it wasn't what I was seeking out. Yeah. And I think at least some versions of the game allowed you to actually save that pinball board as a standalone game, a standalone program oh, yeah. executable so that you could then share it with somebody else and they could play. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was all versions or whatever. I thought it was pretty cool how it gave you so much flexibility a lot of these construction sets let you make very broken, unfun games. Oh, for sure. But they let you do that. And that was yeah. up to you to decide, you know, like to try and refine. It's a bit of game design. It gave you enough creativity in a way if, if you and your friends were swapping levels, mm -hmm. you know, it, it gave you that there's like a level of competition there even. Yeah, to We're... try to make something that's either fun or completable or something. Yeah. Okay, like, big thing in the last, well, for my boys a couple of years ago is the, um, I want to call it the Mario construction kit. Mario Maker, right? Yeah. And isn't that, like, the most annoying thing if your kid makes a level and it's like, <laughs> well, this is pretty impossible to do anything with, <laughs> but I guess I'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. My, my solution to that was yeah making my my kid my son ben absolutely loves mario maker mm -hmm. and when it was on the way i wonder when it was announced but it was like it was like announced a full year before it actually got released would talk mm -hmm. about mario maker every single day <laughs> <laughs> until yeah. it finally got released eh? oh and now did you know that there's kind of like a, a new yeah builder garage or something oh let me look oh, that up okay game builder garage oh it's a programming game according to okay. nintendo but anyway it's releasing next week or this week oh yeah right on so uh my son ben again is talking about it incessantly yeah <laughs> so we're looking forward to uh it arriving and seeing what he can do with it well yeah, my solution always is to get my kid to actually complete the level for me Mm -hmm. Okay, you prove to me that you can actually finish this level. Yeah. And if you can't finish it, then I say you got you got to change. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> I'm not gonna play that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take us off on a big tangent, but yeah. You know what else was interesting? I didn't realize it like with pinball construction set because I'm sure I played the pinball game on the 64, but I I know that I didn't really get into it because I don't have like big memories of it. But the idea that they would allow you to save out a game that you could, you know, put on a disc and give to your friends to play your level. You're essentially allowing people to just give copies of the game away to other folks. Yes. So yeah, that now you wouldn't be able to do the construction in it. I, I presume. That's right. You that, know, so that, 
the the appeal of being able to do that would force you to maybe go out and buy a copy on your own. But yeah, yeah that's it's interesting that they would allow that. Yes. Yeah, yeah you want to have people to play the games, but hmm, giving away the game. Yeah, yeah, giving away at least that particular board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next one that came along wasn't until 1984, but EA published Music Construction Set. And of course, mm-hmm. this isn't really a game as no. such, but it is, you know, considered part of the series. And it came out again for the Apple II, 2GS, uh, even the Atari 8 bit ST. C64 version that mm-hmm. you and I played yeah. around with. Yeah, for sure. And also for the PC, like the IBM PC. Oh, yeah. One funny thing, I think it was uh, V Westlife on YouTube made a video about the PC version. And in a way, it was really terrible because it just had like that little beeper. Yeah. You, you know, the, the PC. Like the PC itself was pretty terrible because yeah. what kind of sound card? No sound card. I have a beeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> speaker but it had a bizarre feature a lot of people don't realize that the original ibm pc did have a cassette interface on it that, i did not realize yeah, that yeah so you could hook a tape deck up to your ibm pc yeah kind of bizarrely and load and saved on cassette your, your basic programs or whatever yep. but they kind of uh abused or well came up with a novel use where it would actually save music to the cassette mm. from it, it was capable of that and it would actually mix multiple channels and then output that as polyphonic wow cassette music yeah weird eh that's very strange yeah so it was just this novel use of the cassette feature that pretty much nobody used right yeah yeah uh, and yeah, anyway, I, I'll see if I can find a demonstration video of that, but that's one of my favorite YouTubers, V Westlife. Right and, on. um, yeah, he demonstrated that, but yeah. What did you do with the C64 version of it? Well, I, I don't remember doing too much with it because it actually, you know, we got into like, uh, tracking programs like mod tracker programs in the Amiga, um, years later and even a little bit i think maybe even after our original run with the commodore 64 there were trackers with the commodore 64 yeah which which approached music in a i think they it's referred to as more of a sequential or or sequencing uh, manner rather than traditional western music notation and even though you know i had many years of piano under my fingers and stuff like that the idea of using music construction set in the way that it was set up what by actually using musical notation to make up your songs didn't really appeal to me that much you know i suppose i could just sit down with some staff paper and (laughs) write some stuff out and then just play it if that's what i wanted to do but that seems a little bit too much like piano lessons to me (laughs) yeah yeah it was i found it tedious to actually use myself Mm -hmm. too yeah and i even find trackers tedious to use even though you know i'm somewhat of a musician at least you know in certain instruments or whatever Mm -hmm. and i've produced all this you know i've done lots of recording yeah i find i find it so tedious to actually use a computer note by note Mm -hmm. in any manner like right from music construction set trackers and 
somehow I don't have the patience. I just really want a guitar in my hands or a bass yeah. uh, and to just play it real time live, slowing it down to this kind of bar based. Yeah. Somehow just doesn't work for me. I know there's MIDI controllers, but I actually don't play keyboard all that well live. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, music construction well, set to me was a really cool idea, but I just didn't make good use of it. Mm-hmm. Was there a copy at our library at Edgewater at, at our school, our elementary school? Oh, I seem to recall maybe actually trying it out there and there being the actual physical because it was it almost looked like like EA was releasing stuff and they, they kind of looked like record singles almost at that time, right? They weren't necessarily in boxes; they were kind of in those thin square. Can we call maybe, it? Gatefold things? Yes, gatefold. There's the word. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. EA's, all their packaging, it was a square gatefold that would, of course, fold open. Yeah. And then it would stick. Like a gate. Like a gate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I think they even did that because EA, when it was a new thing, Electronic Arts, really emphasized each of their programmers as kind of like rock stars yeah like artists like yeah, as sure. actual artists and the packaging like they credited their programmers unlike a lot of other mm-hmm. unlike a lot of other <laughs> companies and of course it's it's sad that now electronic arts is kind of like the ultimate and the evil mm. video game company but their origins were so good yeah yeah oh yeah was, for sure so yeah, th- those uh, all those early EA games are so collectible because of the wonderful packaging that they came in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Music Construction Set. Then the third game in this kind of loose series was released in early 1985, Adventure Construction Set. Right. And this came out, again, Apple II, C64, DOS, and then a while later, an Amiga version was made, apparently. But for me, I bought this on the C64. I actually bought this, and mm-hmm. I remember it being on clearance at Kmart. Oh, and yeah. How, how could I resist it? I think I bought it for 10 bucks uh, at the Kmart. This was the first one of these games that I got really excited about. Nice. Because... I thought, yeah, I want to create, I, I played the Ultima games. Mm-hmm. And even though it was called Adventure Construction Set, the industry tended to say adventure games were yep. things like text adventures and also the extension from that. Mm-hmm. While there were RPGs, role-playing games, yeah, two but separate camps. It's It was almost like it took legend of zelda for those type of games to be called rpgs at least when i think about it like i don't remember referring to ultima as an rpg or questron as an rpg i I think that we thought of those as adventure games they just happen to be graphic adventure games as opposed to the text adventure games and then when zelda came along and I don't know, that that seemed to be the differentiation point where they became, oh, these are RPGs, and then you had a lot of the, um, on the Nintendo systems. But I don't know, maybe that's just my strange rememberings of them. You had a very different personal journey than than, than (laughs) Than the rest of the world. 
don't know. Yeah, um, I guess I remember us maybe calling them adventure games, but graphic adventure game came to mean a text adventure with that's right graphics in it yeah and any kind of game that emphasized like the rpgs usually would have stats in them and you would feel like there was a progression to them where you level up and all that uh but see zelda actually doesn't really have all those stats No, it doesn't. Okay, so I thought you're saying that Zelda... like even like the SSI games and and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. those had stats. Oh yeah, definitely. But would we call them RPGs back in the day? Well, I don't know. There was that connection. I mean, didn't we call Dungeons and Dragons an RPG? The the real. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. Well, maybe I we, don't know. Maybe some of us were confused. Maybe some of us were confused or maybe (laughs) the tendency to refer to them with this term nowadays is just being brought back on them. And there's so few of us now who will stand up and say, (laughs) no, no, these were adventure games that, you know, all the young kids are just ruining it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I agree that you're wrong, Darren. That, That's what I agree with. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree that we probably became more certain of the classification of things later on. Yeah, yeah. And there might have sure. been more tendency in the mid-80s to say, oh, they're adventure games. Yeah. I, I can, Even though, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I guess... For sure, we knew D&D was an RPG, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, so the games, like when the the SSI RPGs came out, but yeah, maybe that was a bit later in the 80s. Maybe maybe in 85 and 86, some of us (laughs) wouldn't have such strong (laughs) conceptions of of the difference. Sure. So I I guess I'm saying that Adventure Construction Set is more towards the RPG Ultima type games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but but yeah, even the the fact that it was named Adventure Construction Set might mean that they didn't feel the public really knew. Boy, this is this should be called RPG Construction Set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, okay, it's it, well, yeah. it's I, it, RPG construction set. I guess just doesn't roll off the tongue though either. So yeah, who knows? Yep. Yeah, that's that's right. So did you play around with Adventure Construction uh, Set? I did not play around with it too much. Like I remember you having it, and like when when I've gone back to take a look at the screenshots, it's like, oh yeah, I definitely remember this thing being around and the really neat uh, cover art for it and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that because you actually bought it, yeah, <laughs> we didn't have a a cracked copy of it to pass around. Oh, so yeah, and so I probably didn't get into it as much because of that. Yeah, maybe maybe it was even hard to copy, or mm-hmm. I just didn't want to copy a game I paid for. You know? Sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what I found, like, it, it included a pre-built adventure game that was. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what fascinated me was that you could have it randomly build you an adventure game. 
Oh yeah. And it would just whir away and the, it would just be like building it. And I guess it would work for like maybe an hour even of, yeah. of just the 1541s grinding away. And on the screen, it says making the world, you know, and then it would yep. go through and build all these different dungeons and the overworld. Yeah. I mean, the adventure was terrible because it was just oh, yeah. super random. Yeah. But what was neat about it is that you could build part of it yourself, like manually, and then let it randomly fill in the rest of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right that, on. That was pretty cool. But I think what I really learned out of that, the hardest thing about making like an RPG or a big, a big game isn't really the programming. Mm-hmm. It's all the content that has to go into Sure. It. And that's a lesson yeah. that's being repeated Many times in my life when I've tried to make, uh, you know, with pixel games, I made a little game. Well, first on the C64, I made a little game called Minima. And Mm -hmm. then in what, 2001 or something. And then in the late 2000, like 2008, 9, uh, I made a iPhone version of it with my pixel partner, Sam. Mm -hmm. And then we tried to make a sequel to that. That was more of an RPG and we actually put lots of time and money into that and it's not finished mm. um, because finishing an RPG is really hard. I believe it. <laughs> and the other thing I got to say is that manual for Adventure Construction Set is fun. It's a big, thick book. And actually, my favorite thing about all RPGs, including like pen and paper type, Mm-hmm. isn't the playing of them. Yeah, it's like rolling the rolling the characters. It, well, it's not and... even rolling the characters. It's just having the manual oh, and, yeah. and reading the rules, like when there's a table. Yeah. All the possibilities mm. it, is what totally interests me. I have got all these sure. RPGs I never even hardly played. I, I don't just mean computer. Well, I know I play a lot of computer ones, but the pen yeah. and paper ones, I have a lot that I've never or maybe play once or twice, Mm -hmm. but mostly I just love reading the book. I want to show you something on my phone here. Okay. What's that? Oh, yay. Minima's there. Yep. I can't play it. It doesn't run anymore. Update it. But yep. That's like, I guess the last of the, of the pixel games that I would like to have on my phone. Does even, even it doesn't run at all anymore. It doesn't run. No, Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. My boys were asking me about uh, swing ride. Bad student driver oh, yeah. and swing ride. I was like, oh, I'd like to play that again. Yeah, I feel bad that that's the the garbage thing about both iPhone and that's Android now too. Yeah. Is that the platform that the old phones die, old batteries die, sure. the OS gets killed, and then these games that I made just are unplayable. You just cannot yeah. there's no place to play them anymore. Oh, <sighs> That's why C64 rules. There you go. <laughs> so moving on, you ready to move on or did you have anything? Yeah, let's move on. F- the final official construction set game from EA yep. is no construction set at all. It's called Racing Destruction. Destruction set. Obviously, this is kind of like a fun pun thing that they did to kind of round out the unofficial series here. Yeah. But this is a bit later in 1985. Racing Destruction brings to mind like a demolition derby or something like that, right? 
but but really it is a construction set it is yeah because there's very little destruction that happens in the game except that you can crash your cars a lot mm -hmm. really you build tracks in it yeah. and then you race it eh yeah and for me i think racing destruction set was the one that appealed to me the most of of all four of them and i probably spent the most time time with them you know just laying down the tracks and each each little tile like that you could place <laughs> down okay because this was like a tile basing is really yeah. neat. Like you had a you, you built it you built your track with tiles and then it then you raced on like a 3d isometric view of it so yeah. it was really cool yes but each tile that you would put down whether it be a straight stretch or a corner or something like that you could like change the width of it and like the height of it so like you could be doing like these 3d whoop-de-doos and big <laughs> hills and oh it's great yeah yeah no it's it's a fantastic game in addition to the editor there were all those fun parameters you could change mm -hmm. so it wasn't just the map but you could change the rules of the world yeah most notably the moon buggies well yeah okay the moon buggies <laughs> you could choose as vehicles but yeah. yeah you're on the right track well because because they worked great when you changed the gravity yes so yeah. that was the that was the best thing that you could change the gravity of your world and so yes a moon buggy i guess is the ideal vehicle but how fun it was to you know make this to get some of the really high speed cars yeah and then put the gravity to moon super, and put like a super massive jump <laughs> jump and you could basically break the game right like it was yeah. almost you could make it almost unplayable but that was the fun is oh, like yeah. yeah let's let's okay ah, change the gravity to moon and then just these ridiculous jumps and there was a lot of fun to be had there indeed uh, yeah yeah so as far as pure fun this may be the greatest of all these games mm -hmm. for me too yeah. yeah and if i remember correctly you could it was more than just uh, like you could race against multiple friends too, right? Like was the joystick, joystick and keyboard. So you could have like three players racing against each other. Cool. Like I seem to recall being at Ron's place and with me and you and Ron and his brother, Mark, and just kind of switching in and out who gets to be in the next race and stuff like that. I, if only there were a way of finding out how many players... That's actually really interesting. I don't remember three. I know for sure two. Oh, no. It looks like it's maybe just a two-player. Yeah, of course it was just a two-player because it was that split screen. Yeah, and I don't think it could do a three-way split no. screen. Yeah, no. yeah. No. So my, I wonder what game you were thinking of. I know we played a lot of Mule at Ron's house. Yeah. <laughs> and we would play joystick, joystick, keyboard on that. Yes. Yeah, and I guess this was fairly revolutionary to have two viewports mm -hmm. into the one world for the racing. Yeah. No, of course, other games. Like Pit Stop and stuff like that. Yeah, it? that's true. Yeah. I wanted to touch briefly on a game that we played a bunch of, and then it had a sequel that I guess was more of a level editor, but it sure felt like you were, you were designing a game with it, and that was Kickstart. Yeah. So Kickstart was a... I think they call it a, a motocross trials simulator where you could ride your little dirt bike, your motorbike over all these crazy little obstacles, hills and fences and brick walls and 
take jumps and stuff like that. And it was a fun game. It was, it was, yeah, it was time trial. Sometimes you'd have to go fast, but there were certain areas that you couldn't go super fast on. So this was a game called Kickstart. And then Kickstart 2 came out and they included a level editor with it. And it was pretty much the same game. They tidied up the graphics, made it look maybe a little bit nicer and stuff like that. But this level editor was pretty cool. And I remember spending quite some time building all the different levels and trying to string as many kind of those almost like ski jump type jumps <laughs> in a row. Yeah. Just to, just to see what we could get going on with that. Yeah. Yeah. Kickstart uh, 2 was a lot of fun. Apparently it was based on a TV show. Yeah. I have seen like on YouTube, the television show. Yeah. And I did not know that, of course, back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, Kickstart was a lot of fun. It was a funny game in how touchy it was. Mm -hmm. It was a game that uh, kind of demanded you to learn its rules more than a lot of other games, right? Sure, like, yeah. Or there were, because different obstacles had to be handled in different ways. Like some, mm -hmm. right, some you had to pop a wheelie the whole time. Yep. Others, you had to be two wheels the whole time. Yep. Slow Some speed. required you to go slow, fast. Yeah, like you, you might think just coming into the game that, okay, this is a motorcycle racing game. Yeah. Just gun it. Yes. Why am I, why do I keep on falling off the fence? Yeah. Because you got to slow down. Yeah, unlike Excite, well, Excite Bike on Nintendo did, re did require a little bit of finesse, but overall yeah. it was just go. Get through as fast as you can, yeah. Yeah. Just one other thing about Kickstart. Like the title music, really nice, exciting music. The in-game music for Kickstart was a little bit nursery rhyme-ish, almost it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. It didn't really seem to fit the exciting, macho, dirt bikey kind of feel that you would expect. It didn't seem to mesh very well. Yeah, I think I, I, think I remember that. <laughs> It's funny when in-game music is really poorly chosen, eh? For like, yep. it can turn. Uh, sometimes it can turn a blah game into that's a pretty great game, just because mm -hmm. the especially on the C sixty four. Sure. And then and other games it can diminish. But Kickstart two, even though the music was a little bit hmm strange choice, it was still a lot of fun to play. So going back to my chronological list here. Oh, sorry about that. Did you know? Okay. When did Kickstart 2 come out? What? Uh, apparently from 1987. Okay. Yeah. Another game is the Boulder Dash Construction Kit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And was it called the Boulder Dash Construction Kit? Yeah. The original Boulder Dash was just called Boulder Dash. Yeah. It was from back in 84. And then they had Boulder Dash 2. And then I think there might have even been like three Boulder Dash games. Okay. But then by 86 or so, maybe 87, they released the official construction kit. Yeah. But it came out for so many platforms, Amiga, Amstrad, Apple II, Atari 8-bit, yeah. Atari ST, DOS, ZX Spectrum even. But the C64 version is the one that you and I are probably most familiar yep. with. I'm mentioning this because it's significant. I never really liked Boulder Dash as a game all that much. How would you, how you feel about it? Yeah, it wasn't something that I came back to very much after we got other games to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was neat when it was new, yeah. but yeah, it, it did get eclipsed. 
Now, Boulder Dash is one of these digging games we were mentioning, but usually the the levels limited you even more, and because of the explosions mm-hmm. and the yeah, it was kind of an action, but it was also kind of a puzzle game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially depending on the level. Some levels were very puzzly, mm-hmm. and some were a bit more just action. Yeah, but. This construction kit, obviously some people loved the construction kit because mm-hmm. they would. Sp- there are so many fan-created levels using yeah. the construction kit, but it was another one that allowed you to actually save your own levels out as their own bootable game. Hmm. And this is a terrible thing from my point of view. <laughs> Do you know why? Oh, yeah. Because Game Base 64, which is the, the world's largest collection of Commodore 64 games, mm-hmm. decided that games made with Boulder Dash Construction Kit are legitimate games deserving of a place. Yeah. And there is... They get their own entry. Oh. Each one of them. They're all in there. And so when we go, woohoo, there are 30,000 Commerce 64 games, guys. 20,000 of them. <laughs> it, yeah, it's maybe not that bad, but it is bad. It is. Yeah. Does anybody care? Does anybody go, oh, I really want to play more Boulder Dash levels made by this guy in Portugal here is his 112th set of Boulder Dash levels. Guys, we got to play them all. Maybe. <laughs> but it's not me. Yeah. So I guess it's cool that it allowed them to be saved out and you share yep. them with your friends and all that. But, oh. There sure are a whole lot of Boulder Dash games, though. Like, in addition to Boulder Dash, Boulder Dash 2, and Boulder Dash 3, and Boulder Dash Construction Kit. Yeah. It just keeps on going. Like, Boulder, there's, a like, a Boulder Dash Deluxe that was released this year for the, v, for the Atari and on Steam. And there's, like, Christmas Boulder Dash and <laughs> Treasure Pleasure Boulder Dash. And, <laughs> Treasure Pleasure. <laughs> yeah, 3D Boulder Dash. <laughs> All sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, so, you know, Boulder Dash is okay. But, yeah, uh, yeah and the construction set or construction kit is worth mentioning. Oh, yeah, I, I should say some of these other non-EA construction set games mm-hmm. uh, did not want to use the, the phrase construction set, presumably worried about legal action. Right, sure. So they used the phrase construction kit instead okay yeah the next one is a game called ultimate wizard have you have you ever heard of that one i don't think i have well this is a c did you say ultimate wizard (laughs) 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 no (laughs) oh okay yeah sorry i i will enunciate better (laughs) ultimate wizard (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Okay, I'll try again. Ultimate Wizard. Oh, Wizard. Yeah. Yes. I guess I can't say that word properly. Wizard. Ultimate Wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, what what would that game be? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like one of those pipe games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a guy just filling it up. Keep laying those pipes. Because <laughs> the ultimate wizard is filling the pipes. We, got, we can't contain it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so can you say the name of this game for me? Ultimate Wizard. Good. Good job. Okay, so it's a C64 exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah, and the thing is, this is like a cult classic. It was a real professionally released game. Okay. But I just did not know about it, even well into the 2000s. Okay. And it, but it's a 1986 game, and it is Jason Compton that I have to thank for introducing me to this game. Basically... It is Jumpman. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's cool. It's Jumpman, but with more elaborate levels in a lot of cases. Yeah. And bizarrely with... Kind of looks better too. Yeah. And it has spells, like you are a wizard who can cast (laughs) spells. Yeah. And it has a level construction mode as well. Right on. So it's like... This looks really cool. Yeah. So some people think this is like just way better than Jumpman, right? It's like... Yeah. I'm of mixed mixed feeling. I guess maybe uh, this, this sounds cheap. I'm going to say I prefer the purity of Jumpman. Sure. <laughs> but Ultimate Wizard <laughs> is pretty cool. And it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something people, there's probably a lot, if I didn't know about it and you didn't know about it, there's, there's prob- probably a lot of people that don't know about this game. Probably a lot game. of people who don't know about this game. So it's definitely... I want to get myself a copy of that. Yeah, definitely one to check out. Okay, and we're, we're in the home stretch where we've got two more to try okay. to talk about right here. On. Shoot 'em up construction kit. Yes. Known... Colloquially, 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 yeah, as wizard, see, yeah, as wizard, as sock, or yes, So, this game, uh, yeah, for the C64 and Amiga, I actually bought an Amiga version of it, uh, also at I think at the Kmart on discount here, yeah, oh, and Atari ST. But the C64... But that doesn't count. That doesn't count. But the C64 version's the first one I played with. Strangely, it seems everybody agrees that this was released in 1988. But mm-hmm. I have super distinct memories of when I lived in Australia in 1987. Oh, yeah. My friend Ben Figgis. Mm-hmm. I was still in Australia and we walked to this computer store in our extended neighborhood. It was a fair walk and we bought a copy of Shoe hmm. Up Construction Set. And it was this way, this is a little diversion. In Australia, they seem to have these weird computer stores where you would request a game and they would like copy it for you. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd have a disc and they would semi professionally print a label. And give you some kind of packaging and really instructions on paper. And I think it was actually legally licensed. Wow. But it wasn't like a nice 
you know, super professional package, you would be buying, yeah. kind of buying a game with instructions and a box. Yeah. But it wouldn't be, you know, the full color. Like, what about like the copy protection and stuff like that? Well, I guess this was licensed somehow and, so, yeah. and it was how strange yeah I, this is something i should probably research a bit more to find out how legit mm -hmm. these were but it seemed fairly common in australia and so i really think we got a copy of Shumup construction set yeah in late 1987 yeah and i feel like we paid half each somehow and, you know, made copies and yeah. whatever, yeah. We were super excited about this game at first because it seemed like the most overt, you can really make a real game with this mm -hmm. of anything. And it had this very good sprite multiplexer and yeah. a really neat tile editor. It was for making vertically scrolling shooters. Yeah. And it could handle lots of bullets on the screen and smooth scrolling maps and you could create every tile yourself and it included a bunch of games that seemed oh, pretty good mm -hmm. of diverse styles too not just a space shooter but there's like a cowboy western one and so on now mm -hmm. in the end all the games do feel pretty much the same yeah they do yeah but it still seemed like a step like to me, this is even though Game Base sixty four is full of shoe 'em up construction kit games. Yeah, I feel better about them than Boulder Dash levels. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's something about shoot 'em up construction kit. Yeah, with the sprite editors and all that stuff. That it was fun to do stuff with it, even though it seemed like you were almost just kind of skinning the same game yeah. over and over again. But yeah, and and there's still a big um, active shoot them up construction kit community like people are yeah. still totally into making this like in yearly they have their competitions and the best yeah. suck game of the year and yeah it's, it's neat and like some people can can get some really neat stuff out of it that um yeah it's pretty impressive yeah that's that's right that scene the first thing that they figured out how to do was how to add in-game music because the original shoot up construction kit didn't have Okay. Uh, music. You couldn't add music to games. So there's been this kind of, yeah, like you were saying, a customization scene around mm -hmm. it where a couple guys figured out how to add music to a shoe up construction kit game. So that was the first one. And then they figured out how to make better title screens mm -hmm. uh, so that the title screen, you know, was more imaginative. Yeah. Uh, and then they started adding more extensions. But the, the most extreme extension I'm aware of is somebody rewrote it to do side scrolling yeah and so there's there's this whole other class it's it's a separate editor mm -hmm. but yeah it, so you can make a side scrolling game and then even extending it so you could kind of make a platformer out of yeah. it yeah. yeah uh but even with the standard shoe up construction kit people came up with some pretty imaginative oh yeah like there's some hacks. like really neat like commando type games and stuff made with it. And yeah, like some really neat stuff for sure. Now this is as far into this kind of construction kit as I've gone. There were a number of other creative tools available for the C64, uh, Gary Kitchen's Game Maker. And oh, yeah. yeah oh, and right. uh, another one called Designer's Pencil, I think. I think Mastertronic had one as well, but 
I almost feel like those deserve... Well, actually, I've been thinking about making an 8-bit show-and-tell episode about them. Right on. And they feel like they're getting a little further away from what we're talking about here today. Yeah. Yeah, and they get a bit more into actual programming yeah, definitely yeah. Well, yeah and i was even thinking about things like amos at the time now amos of course is is like its own version of basic or like mm-hmm. a, a programming language but at the time it was it seemed to me to be like the next extension along this way like amos was a programming language but it's really focused and really honed in on game making type stuff and it was all built around moving large objects around the screen and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not like a construction kit. It is getting into programming. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's real programming somewhere. There's a line there where you start actually kind of scripting, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. Or programming and where you're just using a very simple UI to create your Mm -hmm. levels. So that's where I think we've tried to draw the line today. Uh, yeah. Again, there might there might be some overlap, and there might be something we've forgotten. But okay, so that's shoe up construction kit, and the last thing. This might be a bit of a stretch, but we want to talk about Sim City. Yes, yeah. Like as we've been talking about these games, and as we were trying to think of what games we would include, I think from the very beginning, I had in mind Sim City. But then we then we just started remembering all these construction kit type games. And so it, it kind of morphed from becoming games where you are creating yeah. um, something in it to making games in it. And yeah. so SimCity kind of comes back to the whole sandbox creation, playing around within a game type thing. Yes. And so I, I'm sure everybody knows what, what SimCity is about. You know, you, you get like some uh, a, a, a chunk of land given to you and it's just up to you to lay down some roads and zone some city areas and watch your city grow and i loved sim city when i was a a young guy because it was that really it was like the first sandboxy type game that i can remember playing it was like a simulation but i could get in there and i could tweak things and try to make things work just right and I don't know it. I don't know if I was into urban planning before <laughs> I got into SimCity, or if SimCity got me into urban planning. But whatever, whatever came first, you know that kind of thing has always just interested me um, from this point out. Yeah, it was designed by legendary game designer mm-hmm. Will Wright, and it's only been kind of recently that I've known about the inspiration. Did you? Did yeah. You, yeah. Did you know SimCity started as you, you go Raid ahead. on Bungling Bay? Yeah. yeah. I, I learned this, well, way after I was playing SimCity, but yeah. yeah, years and years ago. Yeah, apparently. So when Will was doing Raid on Bungling Bay, he needed a tool to design his levels and stuff like that. And so he built a, a, a level editor, like a, and it was almost like a city editor. And he found <laughs> that he was having so much fun laying down the roads and putting in the factories and the airports and stuff like that for his Radon Bungling Bay maps. So he said, hmm, I think that this could be a lot of fun as its own sort of thing. Yeah. Radon Bungling Bay goes way back to 1984. Mm-hmm. And 
Sim City wasn't released until 1989. So you think, what was he doing for five years? But apparently he had yes. already made Sim City in 1985 for the yep. C64, but nobody wanted to publish it. It, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so he had this game called Micropolis mm-hmm. that has been around forever. And a number of years ago, like probably 10 years or so ago, I managed to get a copy of Micropolis. They did a build of it for the Mac. Oh. And yeah, so it's kind of like just, and I just love, like SimCity has got lots and lots of neat games and it's evolved over the years so much and it's really a neat thing. But there's something about the the basicness of the original SimCity that that's just still my favorite of them all. Wow. And so it was really neat to be able to find this Micropolis game and oh, I can play like the original SimCity on my Mac. But yeah, just keeping things simple. You know, you got your three zones, you got your train tracks, you got your roads, you've got your electrical wires. Just make sure everything is hooked up and, and you can go. It's kind of like living and programming with a Commodore 64 versus doing stuff on the PC or modern computer, right? Yeah. With the original SimCity, you can keep it all in your head all at once. Ah. You feel like you've got your head around everything that's going on and that everything is really within your control, much like on a Commodore 64, you know, once you kind of get it down, it's like, okay, I can handle everything there is on a Commodore 64, but like ask me to do like do some programming task on a Mac, like a real programming task on a Mac. I don't know where to start now. Like it's just, it's just too much for me right now. Yeah. And some of these modern city simulation games like there's a lot of really neat ones out there like city skylines and stuff that i've downloaded like for steam and stuff like that i've just never really got into them as much as the original SimCity because there's just so much going on yeah it just doesn't feel manageable or it feels like it's beyond yeah beyond what one human can really feel (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's right like it's really neat to watch the simulation of it of it go but yeah it feels like yeah this is a little bit out of my out of my hands yeah that's even about like rpgs i've tried playing the more Mm. recent uh what we might call western rpgs like uh i don't know morrowind and stuff like the the stuff fallout these kind of the modern rpgs really have a lot of action in them but there's something about when you can touch everything and the world is full of objects that you can manipulate and carry, I just, I'm not interested in a totally realistic world where there are thousands of objects Mm. I can potentially pick up, but I'm limited by my inventory. I'm limited by, you know, so it's like, I don't know, just show me the important stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I haven't got into uh, any of the modern Western RPGs mm-hmm. that because they're just so fiddly to me. There's just mm. too much to them. Instead, I've transitioned to playing mostly the Japanese ones that are on the portable Nintendo systems, like the DS mm-hmm. and the and so on, 3DS, because they don't have that same kind of sprawl. They still have a lot more yeah. focus. Yep. And that's that's what I like in my games. We we don't want complete realism. 
No, we don't. In a game, do we? I don't. I don't think we do. Yeah. Because we've got real life for that. <laughs> That's what real life's for. Yeah. I want to look at just a little ant farm or something like that. And SimCity <laughs> does that for me. Yeah. It's all right here in front of me. <laughs> Did you know there was a Sim Ant made? Yes. Yeah, after, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sim Ant and Sim Life and all these crazy things. Yeah, yeah, that was all during the 90s. I guess I mostly ignored me too. that. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the very late 90s, early 2000s, I got back in to SimCity on on a Windows machine there. I don't remember. It probably would have been SimCity 2000 at the time. Yeah. And I had some fun with that too, but I always had that, oh, I just want to go back to the original SimCity. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you the story about buying my original SimCity for yeah. the Amiga? We were probably working at the computer store at the time. At Mikadon Computers. Yeah, exactly. Or it, it may have been just before we started working there. But for whatever reason, I didn't buy my original copy of SimCity new from the computer store. I found some guy in a BBS who was <laughs> selling his copy. And I rode my bike across town. And there's this funny little house on this short little street, Gordon Street in Thunder Bay. <laughs> and I knocked on the door and the guy said, yep. You're, I like because I met him on the BBS. Yeah, I'm here to buy Simpson. He said, "Sure, come on downstairs." <laughs> Why can't you just bring SimCity to the <laughs> door? <laughs> up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just you know, like just things that we did, like we were talking about this, like going over to to people's houses and swapping games and stuff with them. It's just something that it didn't seem as dangerous at the time. But you know, thinking back to it. I, was i doing going down to some weirdo's bay i rode my bike all the way across town and going down some i don't know if he was a weirdo or not <laughs> just going down into some guy's basement that i didn't know to buy my secondhand copy of SimCity. yeah but yep. so what a foreshadow of today though we have our kijiji and our craigslist oh, yeah. yep. facebook marketplace yeah here you are arranging these real world deals completely mm -hmm. online right yeah 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 for so sure in a way it's like but of course now with like facebook marketplace and kijiji it's always like make sure you agree to meet in a well-lit parking <laughs> yes, lot yeah. in a public don't, area yeah you'll see don't go in the basement don't go <laughs> to the basement <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah uh this maybe the safety rules have become standardized due to enough people not returning out of the basement <laughs> with their copy of SimCity. Yeah. Uh, it's funny to think that now there's The Sims, and mm -hmm. that's got, what, I think that's 20 years old now almost. There's oh, been yeah, The Sims. Sure. And I remember when I first heard about that, I thought, ever crazy. Yeah. But to think that all goes back to right on Bungling Bay on, yeah. the, C on the C64. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, now it's Nutty. yeah. I mean, I think I'm totally not interested in, in the Sims. Oh, except you know what? When I'm really bored enough, I will watch an LGR video about yeah. the Sims. Oh yeah, because he he has reviewed every the Sims thing. He used to be a huge fan of it, and I yeah. think that was a big part of how he became, you know, as somebody was his yeah. The Sims reviews. But now you can see he barely, he doesn't really like it much anymore, but he still does the reviews because he's yeah. expected to. Well, I think he's got one of the best uh, 
kind of overall reviews of the original Sim City oh. on YouTube these days too. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. And yeah. on the sixty four, or did he review a different? Version? He's mostly doing it on the PC. Yeah. 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 But he touches on like Bungling Bay and and the Amiga version and stuff too. I I believe he touches on the Amiga version. Cool. Definitely gets into Bungling Bay. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's it. Uh, so to our listeners, did we miss any favorite construction type games? Mm-hmm. You know, these were, these are the ones that stuck out in our mind from our childhood. But like, as, as we were talking about, we didn't know about the ultimate wizard and stuff like that. Maybe there's, <laughs> maybe there's other great games out there that we miss. So let us know. Yeah. Other wizard games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I totally want to, <laughs> try it out <laughs> one of those pipe games yeah that's right <laughs> yeah so that was good that was a lot of fun thank you for joining us uh yeah share your memories with us if you want to reach us on the twitters you can tweet me at darren folds and you can find robin 8-bit show and tell what are you supposed to say at oh at i thought you <laughs> i thought you said at at me when I actually I didn't. Oh. I, for some reason I stopped. Okay. You can find Robin at yes, at 8bit show and tell. And you know that we've got a Patreon thing set up where for any amount of support you will get access to our exclusive patron only podcast. So if you're interested in hearing us talk more about stuff, you might be interested in that. We also um do occasional just bonus stuff that we end up throwing up on on patreon uh, that doesn't normally make it out in our normal rrs feed yeah especially our mailbag episode Mm -hmm. where we read letters from our listeners and react we also have a youtube channel where we haven't posted anything (laughs) since we played summer games like (laughs) 10 months ago because we can't be in the same place together but you know occasional video content here's hoping to get winter games up there sometime yeah yeah so there's lots of fun places where you can find us on the internets for more stuff like this yeah so yeah let's give a shout out to our patrons thank you mac and r2 and jake and apogee 79 see if you want your full name read out loud you got to have like a handle like that thanks to michael and rob and ian and chris and mv yeah thank you guys for supporting us for robin harbron i'm darren folds good night good night wizard wizard duh